Hello and welcome to Hummingbird, a weekly podcast with April Lee Janes and Jessica Outram. Today we're going to talk about creativity and business and where to start. For example, how do you start a business? And then what are some tips for creatives who want to sell their work? Does it always have to be a business? I have got lots of big questions for April. This is an area of expertise for her. So I'm looking forward to today's episode. Oh, me too. Are my my background is uh, coaching women who are starting their small businesses who, who want to get going into business. I've really started to focus more and more on creative people, but you know, as we've been talking, everybody's creative and starting a business is a very creative process as well. So there's kind of a double pronged thing going on here. But today we're really going to talk about creative people who want to sell what it is that they produce. And where do you get started and how do you do that? So Jess, I'm going to let you kind of ask questions and, and maybe that's the good way to work this. I'm not sure I will go. No, I this think that's a great way. Yeah. And well, this is an area that I don't know much about. And I'm drooling as you talk about what it is that you do when you're not here with me. <laughs> because I feel like I could use some business coaching. And so maybe along the way, I might have some very specific questions. But but generally, I find I get very lost and overwhelmed by all the information that's out there about what to do. And in the past, it stopped me from starting a business. So I'm wondering for people who feel that they say they love to paint or they love to write, even we start with the things that we love to do and they're like, okay, how can I do this all the time and turn this into a job? Is this what we're talking about when we talk about creating a business? Well, I think that's the question to start with. Do you want this to be your job? The big question for me is always, do you really want to turn the thing that you love to do into a have to do? And that's a question everybody has to answer for themselves. And I, when I had my first business way back in the 1970s, which gives you a little idea of the age group that I'm in, I had my ceramics certificate from Georgian College. I was gung-ho. I wanted to start my own studio and I was going to teach, which I did for about three or four years. And um, we had a big recession happen then too. And it, it killed my business, which is why I ended up leaving that particular studio. But I also realized that doing it as a business had taken all the fun out of doing pottery for me. It was years before I would go back to it. So before I actually started doing my visual arts, my painting and things like that as a business, that was a question I had to really decide. Did I want to be in my studio every day? Did I want to be doing this stuff every day? Did I want to work to deadlines? I think a creative person really has to ask themselves that because sometimes that's not what they sign on for. Although it sounds wonderful to earn a living doing the things that you love to do. Well, and, and, you know, my immediate answer is yes, yes, and yes. But I had some <laughs> conversations about this uh, in the fall with some people. And the idea is sometimes, even if it's something you love to do, you've got to find those other complementary things 
to help sustain it. So for example, if we use my example of, I started in August, a creativity coaching business, which I absolutely adore. And I'm doing it very, very part-time a couple times a month right now, because I work as a principal full-time and that's just fine. It's helping me get a sense of what it is that I'm doing, kind of build an audience, think about developing some material, doing some small pieces of teaching. But somebody had recommended to me that one way I could go is doing four or five big corporate workshops a year that become the bread and butter. And this is where I got stuck because I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to do what I wanted when I wanted. It was the freedom that appealed to me. It wasn't necessarily the idea of creating and doing all this stuff that fills me and lights me up and working with people to meet their creative potential, which is what I wanted to do. And even though that would fit within that mandate, it was, well, that's not what I was thinking. So I got stuck and here I am today. So it's, that balance and how what do you recommend how do you like if that's where you start is that question well I've been sitting in that question for I think 20 years now April is there is there a way to see the answer somehow well I think first the, the, again the next question you'd ask yourself is do I after is what I love to do what I really want to be doing what's the measure you're going to use to call your your business or your efforts let's say let's call them efforts because business has a whole other feels like a heavier connotation. How do you know it's a success for you? Not what the world says is a success. And the world says, oh, the more money you make, the more successful you are. Not true. There's a thing called quality of life. There's a thing called the joy of doing something. What are you going to use as a measurement to say, yeah, I feel successful. And for some people, part-time, doing a few things, maybe taking uh, putting, uh, taking some art shows, taking on a few clients, having some people who collect your art, you know, so you have a, like a, a set of groupies that collect what you do. That might be enough for you. You don't have to make a full-time living from it. I mean, think about actors. Most of them do not make a full-time living from their passion. A lot of them are working as waiters and waitresses and, and part-time jobs until they get the call and they get to, to act again. So is there a side gig element to this? And the, and the thing that earns you your living might actually be the side gig that allows you to do what you're passionate about. So that's another very personal question that you've really got to dig into and answer for yourself. And I will tell you, the world is going to tell you it's all about the money. And you really have to resist that, although the money is important too. This is kind of a two-pronged thing. If you aren't at least covering what your expenses are, then you've got a charity. You don't have a business. And you don't have a business unless you're at least making some money that you can either reinvest in your business or reinvest in yourself. Otherwise, um, doing it because you love it is great, but don't kid yourself. That's not a business. Okay, so, so I, I feel I'm I'm running a charity right now, <laughs> which is just fine. <laughs> I'm just starting out. So I've said not say a bad I've place made, to start. Yeah. Right. So I've made the decision. I've started with, you know, the limited time I have, the limited resources I have. And in the past, I, you know, I would overthink it and do a lot of and I this time I just jumped in and just went in full in with what I had. And so let's let what's the next step? So we've decided, yes, we want to turn what we love into a business. What do we do next? 
this is where you really need a plan. You need some kind of plan. And when I say plan, I'm not talking about the one that your accountant and your bank wants you to do, which is a very formal kind of plan. And if you have to go to the bank, you will need one of those things. I'm talking about a plan that's going to work for you. Again, we come back to that real personal thing because this is, this is your passion. So it should be personal. Build a mind map. And if you've never done a mind map before, we will put a link in our playlist to a, a document I have to explain how to do this. But basically a mind map is so you put your idea in the middle and then you start to do like prongs out from that idea. And so the first prong might be uh, the product that I make. And so um, for me, it would be paintings. And then from there, I'll have other ideas that pop off that. Oh, I could do prints. I could do postcards. I could do, and they all become their own lines. It becomes like a big web that you're building. And this is actually how your brain works. So this kind of map helps you take advantage of the way your brain pops out ideas and captures them on a piece of paper. Then you may move on to another branch of it. And the next thing may be customers. So where do I find my customers? Well, they hang out here and they hang out there. And oh, by the way, they read this and they're this age. And, and so you kind of create another branch that takes you down where you might find your customers. You keep playing with that until you run out of ideas, but then you hang it up somewhere. And as you have new ideas, you add that to your mind map. That becomes a way of capturing all the things that you want within your business and ideas that you have. And it actually shows you relationships so that your brain can creatively make connections by looking at that. I love I'm mind notes. mapping. I April, I, I'm taking yep. notes. I've got to tell you, if you're, you're, I, where you, you can see me in the Zoom video and I'm here like furiously writing everything you've done. And I'm like, yes, yes, I'm going to do that mind map today. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure you get the little little document I have. And what I love is you can do it in all different colors. You can use pictures. You can use words. Whatever you, whatever works for you and helps your brain pop. And this is really how you want to create a creative plan for yourself. And I use this for all kinds of things. When I was writing fiction, I used to use it to help me map a story or how to do a character plot, you know, that type of thing. So it's useful in all kinds of things, but it's it's starting a business or thinking about doing your passion as a way to make money. This is the way to start and to get your ideas down on paper and then have something to actually look at that lets you can make those creative connections that you're so good at that may bring you to the next bigger thing. Right. I love um, it. Yeah. I love it. I was going to say, make sure you include money on there too. You know how you're going to make your money when that should be part of your mind map. That's the part that I missed when I created my business. <laughs> I thought of all the lovely things I wanted to do and all the ways I wanted to help people. And I really thought deeply about my why, but I didn't really map out what the money piece would look like. So that's really helpful because that's, that, that's kind of a, you know, important, but not important piece. Well, then said. what I would suggest when you do your customer piece on this one is that you explore what is their pain their what do they need me for what are they looking for we all know what we want to do and how we want to help people and what it is we we bring to the table but we have to look at the other side of it what is it they are looking for because sometimes it might be exactly what you're offering but your languaging might not be enough that they recognize that that's what they're looking for mm -hmm. or sometimes you have to tweak what you're offering because it's not exactly what they're looking for i'm i'm thinking of um well let's just use my art for for instance 
when I moved down here to the Maritimes, I had to tweak my paintings a little bit because people down here are looking for a more maritimey kind of look. The tourists that are coming in, they want to take something home to remember what they've got. And so while I still wanted to be true to myself and what I loved, there was a way I had to shift a little bit of the story I told within my painting. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that you'd be looking for. What is it my customer is looking for? You don't want to sell out on yourself, but you want to make sure you're answering and meeting their need. Well, and what I love about what you said there is even looking at the market you're trying to live in and how you can be part of it and also still like you said, do what you love. My cousin has created a beautiful business called Peace Beads and it blends her love of beading with her love of healing. And she makes these beautiful bracelets that are just filled with meaning and symbolism. So see, I'm wearing two of them now. I'm showing April in the video. Yes. And so this one here was a gift from my mother and it's called Creativity and Abundance. And so all the beads have been specially chosen so that it sparks ideas and creates more creativity and abundance in your life. I just love that. And then this other one was a gift from my cousin from Christmas and it's a Reiki bracelet. So she does a Reiki treatment and while she's working through with your energy, she figures out what it is that you need to be your best self and to be protected and she puts these beautiful bracelets together and so this was something she was just doing for people and all of a sudden she had the idea to put it into a business and she was so intentional in her approach she really she started with the why she built in the story of how this evolved over time it was all about that intention that creating a product that would make a difference and finding that meaning and then you can tell like when you visit her website which we'll link in our playlist for those that want to check it out I think it's peacebeads.ca but when you when you go in there, you can see that harmony of her vision with her craft. And in my mind, as a writer, I look at that and I think, oh my gosh, I just love the symbiosis of that. How do I create that as a writer when I feel like sometimes I'm writing this and sometimes I'm writing this and sometimes I'm teaching this. And I wonder, you know, you're, you're an artist. Do you sometimes feel it's hard to get that, that focus within your plan? Or, is, or am I just um, too scattered? Is that just my scattered way? <laughs> no, it is It is hard. I mean, you know that I, I work a lot in fiber art as well. And so it's, it's a matter of, right now, it, I think it's evolution. You let it evolve and it eventually becomes what it needs to become. That's the other thing I think with the business plan. You start with where you are, but don't be afraid to shift it as you go along. You know, it, it's Ooh, I like something that. comes up. Well, yeah, because something may shift, a COVID may happen, right? And suddenly you got to shift your whole business plan, right? Or you find that, wow, if I really love doing the fiber art and people are really responding to it, I need to pay attention to that over there. And I'm thinking along the lines of the beads, it was just a lovely story this week in the Nova Scotia CBC of a woman who is a bead artist down here. She's a Mi'kmaq. And in order to interest the younger generation in beading, she teaches workshops and does beading on high-end sneakers. So like Nike and, and those things. Wow. And she has them beading on those things. And I thought, now there's yeah. a great example of taking what she loves to do and realizing her audience has a slightly different interest in marrying the two things together to make this amazing um, workshop and product that she does. Kids are apparently flocking to it. So pay attention to those things, the trends that are happening around you, right? Okay. So 
it to just to summarize so far, I've decided I want to do what I love all the time. I've worked on my mind map, which is my plan. And now what do I've, I've looked at the market to see where do I fit? Where do my customers fit? What does this look like? Then what? Boy, at that point, you need to set kind of a goal for yourself. At what point do you feel that business can overtake what you're doing to make your living right now? I would never advise someone to just quit their job cold and jump into it, especially this type of a business, unless they are suddenly turning things around very quickly. I've spoke to an artist on Sunday who he opened up a gallery and he sold 10 paintings right off the bat. Well, that's every artist's dream, but that's an exception, not the rule. And he just took off from there. It's just his style of art happened to meet the demand at that particular time. You need to decide what success means to you. That Go back to that question. How do I know my business is a success? And you need to use some measures that mean something to you. And they have to include money answers if you want to earn a living from your business. So don't forget to take into tax and overhead. You know, just because you earn $5,000 a month from your business doesn't mean you keep $5,000 a month. So at this point, that's where you need to start talking to people who have the skills you, you don't maybe possess. You have to be willing to do the administrative side of a business as well. You may not always have time to do the thing you love to do because there's all this bookkeeping and invoicing and, you know, marketing that has to happen too. And we sometimes forget about that side of it. If you really don't want to do that, you might want to rethink what you're doing. If you don't want to do it, can you hire someone to do it? What skills don't you have that you maybe don't want to be bothered to learn? Where do you hire the expertise? So there's all those kinds of questions that now start to come in as you start to take it more seriously. Today, we're, we're lucky because we don't always have to have a bricks and mortar and we, we can go online and we can sell. And honestly, I sell quite a few of my paintings through social media and a lot of artists are finding that nowadays. I sell a lot through Instagram. I find Instagram really good for artists. But you have to understand you got to build up usually to that too. You don't just go online and start selling. It's not quite the same. So every case is different. So I don't want to tell people not because somebody could put their work up there and immediately starts to sell. So every case is different. I think it comes back down to this. It's a very personal thing, but you do have to have some kind of number to measure yourself by whether it's time to jump or whether you need to keep your day job while you build up right. your side hustle. Right. And, and that word hustle is, is such an important word I've found, I've learned in the past year yeah. when it comes to the entrepreneurial world, because, and I was talking to with a friend in December about this. I love all the creative parts around doing what I love, but I really struggle with the hustle. And I think that there would be other artists and writers and creatives out there that find that. So I'm really glad that you present that reality of you can't have one without the other, unless you know, you find some way to have hire someone to do your hustle for you. When you're first starting yeah. out with a new business, you're it, right? Like, I don't know many creatives yeah. that start out with the staff um, when they're first beginning. It's usually you and your art or your writing or your uh, artisan artifacts or your, your beaded bracelets, and you're just putting yourself out there as, as you. So like, if we go through the steps again, I've decided I love it and I want to do it. I create my mind map. I put my plan in place. My business is out there. It's starting to make a little bit of money. 
it's not at a place yet where I can live off of it. Is expanding a business a different topic for another day? Or what do we do now? Yeah, probably. I I think the starting of it, I think people will we'll do another talk in about a month on this. I think if you're looking at this, let's start with the mind map. Let's start with the planning. Let's start with the, those numbers. You have to have numbers of some type. How many customers? How many sales? How many dollars? What do I need? You need something to measure your growth against. Just the same way as you measure a child against the wall and they, oh, look, right. this year there's an inch dollar. You got to have those ways to measure whether you're actually making progress or not. Is marketing important marketing when you first is, start out? Like, Absolutely. No, nobody, okay. you're not going to open your door in the morning and customers out there. It just doesn't happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> you have to let people know you're there. And there is a difference. Marketing is letting people know you there. Selling, sales is letting them buy what it is that they're, they've come for, right? So there's a slight difference there. So keep that in mind. You know, when I first used to hear the word side hustle, I hated that word hustle. But the truth is, you have to work hard every day to keep growing a business so that people understand who you are, that you're here, reminding them that you're around and bringing them to your door. I went to hear a speaker now, oh, Mrs. Fields Cookies. Debbie Fields, she did a, a talk one day for women entrepreneurs, and I went to hear her. And she talked about how she had these wonderful chocolate chip cookies that she used to make, and everybody raved over her chocolate chip cookies. And she decided she was going to do them as a business. And people started to, you know, kind of the husband was like, oh, really, honey, you know, nice, you know, have a little cookie business if you'd like. She went to this big chocolate company that I won't mention their name and wanted to buy chocolate chips wholesale. And they kind of patted, on, patted her on her head and sent oh. her on her way. So she went to another company and they, they sold her her chocolate chips and she opened up a little bakery. She had these beautiful cookies, but nobody was coming in the door. And so she was just watching people walk by. And finally, she decided she was going to put them on a tray, take them outside and start to offer people her cookies. And that's the hustle where you've got to get out from behind your desk. One of the things I tell people that if they're going to be entrepreneurs, they got to sell their desk because they got to get out from behind it. That was how she started to bring people through the door. And of course, then we know Mrs. Fields cookies became a huge yeah. success. That first chocolate cookie company came back to chocolate chip company came back to her and tried to sell her chocolate chips. And she just threw them out of her office. She wanted nothing to do with them because they wouldn't help her when she started, which I like that's that kind of like justice in the end, you know, wow. what they say about karma. <laughs> but that's a great have story. To get out there and let people know. Yeah, we have to yeah. get out there and let people know. The only well, way. there's this this growing like you know over the last 20 years, self publishing has really changed and expanded. And I follow some groups on social media, and one of them, I'm just my jaw is is on the floor every time I read their posts. And there's a lot of discussion about doing boosted ads where you pay for ads to promote your work. So people are self publishing through big online companies. I'm going to try not to mention all these companies as I talk about this. So they, they, yeah. they publish through the big companies and then on social media, someone will spend and like, they're not spending, like when I do an ad, I like might spend $50 in six months. They're spending thousands of dollars on ads or they're spending five grand on ads and then it's moving them up in the bestsellers list and it's and then they're getting those sales back and then they post all these charts just to show how that investment really pays off and produces yeah. 
an audience. And there's something in me that I'm really struggling to understand that. But I know that that's how the world works. I get it. But I'm just like, I I can't even imagine. That's why the big publishing companies keep so much of the money that they make from the books because they're reinvesting Mm -hmm. it in marketing. That's why the if you go through the big publishing company as an author, you only get a small piece of it because all the rest has gone into marketing the book. Wow. Um, so they're just they're doing the marketing themselves and keeping control, which I think is a really good business model for any artist. Although if you're a visual artist, you can do things like license your work to a bigger company and then you get a which is what the author is doing in a publishing company. I had a group of bunch of questions that I had written down as I was making my notes for this. And I think before we close, and I'm not sure we're ready to close, but I just really want to go through those questions and list them for people. So the first one to ask, number one, do I really want to turn what I love to do into a have to do? Number two, am I ready to do the administrative side of this? Because doing your business, your creative passion as a business doesn't mean you're in the studio all day, every day. There is a business side. There's this hustle side. How will you know that your business is a success? What measures mean something to you? And those measures must include some money answers. Because if you want to do this as a business, you need to earn a living. What is it you want to accomplish? Do you want to sell only original art? Do you want to have a published book? Do you want to heal people with your beads? What is it that's important to you? That vision that you have for your business. What skills do you possess now? What do you need to learn? And where can you hire the expertise? And that might mean taking workshops when I say hiring the expertise. Might mean you need to learn how to do a certain technique or something. So that's part of hiring the expertise and learning it. Who wants what I do or make is a really vital question. You might love your little knitted suits for chihuahuas, but not everybody maybe wants them. Is there enough of a market out there for you to do it? Where do they hang out? And more importantly, how do I let them know I'm here? Ask yourself how you're going to sell. Is it only going to be online? Is it going to be a bricks and mortar thing? Is it going to be consignment perhaps in uh, maybe a gallery or a small shop that takes things in? That's an important piece of this puzzle for you. And what is your minimum setup? What supplies are you going to need? What support do you need? Do you need a computer? Do you need marketing materials? All of that is part of that initial investment to create your business, create a website, that type of thing. So those are some basic questions, not all of them, but those are some pretty basic questions. If you're thinking about starting a business, you need to find answers to them. I love it. That's all really helpful. Thank you so much, April. And as you're talking, I'm like, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing all afternoon today. I'm going to work through all of your (laughs) your tips and tricks here. So you talked to me this week about uh, a new gallery space that you're going to be moving into. How can galleries help artists? I don't know much about the art world and how galleries work. And now you're on the cusp of is this, is this an extension of a business you already had set up or is this a new business? How do you, how do you view this new adventure you're on? I view this, wow, both really. I've been in my studio, I've been painting and everything else. And my original vision was that I would have a studio and people would come to me, but, or a gallery within my studio, but I've kind of come to the conclusion I need to take it out to where the customers are. So this new gallery that's being built, it's huge, and it's going to be in an area that has a lot more tourism. And the fellow that's running it is, he's very savvy. He's already got a very successful track record with another gallery. 
basically I'm going to be going in there in a, in my, I have a space that um, I have, I've rented the space. I'll be upfront about that. It's the, but he's only allowing certain people into, to these spaces. They have to be artists. He will take a very small commission. Every gallery takes a commission, usually somewhere between 30 to 50%, but he's taking 15% and I pay a small, very small monthly rent. I can also do workshops and everything there and he will help fill them. So for me, that is the hustle part. And I'm letting him do quite a bit of that hustle as part of his bigger business. So it's kind of a two-pronged thing, you know, and I feel like it's it's the next evolution for me. We talk about evolution. This is the next evolution in my business, getting out of my studio, going to where the customers are. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a, a great um, move for me. And we'll see. He's, he's launching it during the end of COVID. So we know it's going to be a soft launch and when he opens in June. And by next year, when things really open up and get back to normal, I'm I want my foot in the door is really what I wanted, my foot in the door there. Wow, that's just amazing. I'm so happy for you. I can't wait to come and visit and uh, see it one day. That's I'm adding it to the list of things to do when I go to Nova Scotia is to come and see your beautiful <laughs> gallery space. And hopefully once it's set up, maybe uh, you can take some pictures and post it out on our social media so our listeners can get a little slice of your new creative space. Oh, for sure, for sure. But galleries for other artists, you have to, there are some business courses about how to exactly approach a gallery. And I'll have to see if I can find that course. I have a friend who's very successful in the galleries, but she's also been painting for 20, well, Karen, the Karen Richardson, the woman that we both took our workshops from. Oh, wow. She moved into galleries. Yeah. She moved into galleries just before we came here. She's really made a success of it. But you have to be at a certain level of your work for galleries usually to represent you. But it doesn't hurt to get in there and try and don't let your fear of judgment keep you from at least trying. That's the, as we talked about in the previous episode. Go ahead and own it and get out there and start looking at galleries because it's a way to let someone else market your work for you, help you get your work out there. Just now be aware you'll new... be paying a commission. Yeah. Right, right. There's a new growing trend among artists and writers and, and creatives that's kind of something old made new again around sponsorship. And I had read about a year ago, Amanda Palmer's book called The Art of Asking. And she's a musician that, uh, you know, began her creative work as a street mime and really learned about what that art of asking for that patronage looks like, ended up doing a lot reaching a lot of her success and funding her music through things like a sponsorship setup. And I know some people are using things like Patreon as well. Have you heard about any of those? And is, is that a certain business model? Do some people find good success with that? Um, it is a, another way to generate some income. And the people that I've seen make a success with it offer some what their followers would have find value in. So I'm, again, I'll talk about the artist model. They may have at a certain level, you get postcards of their work. And then another level, you get a, a signed print of their work. And so you can support the artist and you get something for it. Um, so it's not like um, uh, these ones where they simply are raising funds. There is There should be a, a return for that. And it, it allows people to, to support their favorite artists. I haven't yet decided how I feel about it. I've never gone on to Patreon because I'm just, I'm not sure how I feel about that one. But I, the people that are comfortable with it, I know some of them are doing well with it. I did notice in your notes, and I want to talk about this for just a second, because often people I find when I'm doing business consulting and someone is just starting a business, 
they will struggle over what to call their business. And if you're an artist or a writer or something like that, number one, get your website in your name. That is what people are going to look for. If you're now you're different because you're a creative coach, Jessica. So, but I would also, I don't know if you've done it, but I would get jessicaoutram.com or .ca and preserve that URL for yourself. And even do a, if somebody looks for you on that one, it could, could, you could bounce them over to your other website because Nowadays, people look for artists, writers, and things like that by their names. Don't be afraid to brand yourself. You talk about here, the most effective brand is you, and it's true. Mm-hmm. Get yourself out there. Talk to people. Do FaceTime lives. Do pers- have a personal page. I do more, and I get more response to my art on my personal Facebook page and my Instagram page. And I, anybody who'd like to follow me, I'd love to have you do that because the, on there, I can be me. On a business page, I feel like I'm more constrict. I don't let people see as much about who I am, whereas I can in my personal pages. And so people do want to know who you are as a creative person. And so go ahead and don't be afraid to brand yourself. It's really important. Well, and I, I've learned that over the years with my dabbles in the creativity and business relationship is that over time, it's, it's me that people, I, this sounds really cheeky, but it's me that people are following. When I put out a call, even for our hummingbird uh, social media accounts, you know, people are following you and I, that's where we're starting. We're starting with the people that we know. And they're doing that because they followed me in other adventures through my sunshine in a jar or my creative creativity coaching work. Those things, you know, may change and evolve over time, but I'm always still here. And so I find that it's important to remember that we can be that most effective brand, that the story is us and we need to think about our online presence. And it is more important than ever to have one as things become more and more digitally based. Mm -hmm. People are hungry for relationship. All sales are based on relationship. There's a brilliant business book called The Speed of Trust. And it's by Stephen R. Covey, who is Dr. Covey's uh, son. And I quote this book all the time when I'm doing training in my corporate training. But he talks about there is a, there is a direct link between the amount that people trust you and the income or that a company will make. And if you want a good example of that, look at what's happened to Boeing. People don't trust Boeing anymore and their bottom line is taking a huge hit. So if the closer they can get to you, the more they will learn to trust you. And as long as we don't you know, abuse that trust, then it becomes easier to have the communications that you need. Those sales discussions don't become awkward the way people often talk about. And that's another topic that we will go into later on is, you know, how do you have those conversations? But it starts with trust and it starts with people building a relationship with you on social Mm -hmm. media or in real life. And I think that's why the why is so important, right? And really understanding your why. There's a great TED Talk by Simon Sinek and a book called, I think it's literally called Start With Why that I recommend to everybody. When we had this question set out, of course, like I always do, I researched it and I found a great article in Forbes that was five tips for building a successful business as a creative. The first tip was to start with why, not how, and make sure that you align with your purpose. The make a plan, yeah. the details can come later. So everything you've said is lining up here, April. This is all <laughs> matching, right? Yeah. Um, 
I, I love this one. Number three was don't be afraid to talk to people and that you don't have to keep your business a secret and get out there. And the more that you talk to people, the more ideas that you'll have, the more connections. It's like you might want to become the mind map out in the world, making those connections and building those relationships. I love that. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to add to that, and it's a real quick tip. If you want to start doing this as a business and people ask what you do, don't tell them what you're doing for a living. Don't say, I'm a bookkeeper, I'm an executive assistant, I'm a nurse. Whatever it is you're doing, you say to them, I'm an artist, I'm a writer, and start get real comfortable with that. And then that lets you introduce your business, right? I love it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Article recommends to be a problem solver that, you know, everything's changing and evolving. And when things come up, don't let those be barriers. Make sure as you move forward that you're just solving problems, just working through the things. Mm -hmm. And and then the final advice they gave was let your creativity lead and the importance of utilizing your creative intuition and how important that is to trust your instincts and that your business does not have to look like anybody else's. And you can make your own path. You can make things happen in a way that nobody else has and not to think that you've got to follow a particular model. If your instinct is driving you down a different path and you've you've got that vision, this article really expresses the importance of following that. Do you, have you found that in your experience that that's that to oh, be true? Over and over again. And I got to tell you, I can't tell you how many times I'd come up with this great idea and I'd run it past someone. They'd say, oh no, that'll never work. And I would let myself be discouraged and like, Six months later, somebody would be doing exactly what I had talked about and making a success of it. So trust yourself. Don't go looking for advice, you know, from especially from people who have something to lose if you take a risk and and they feel it's too risky, right? Those are the wrong people to ask. You really want to trust your intuition and look for other risk takers that are out there that are doing things and they they will encourage you on that. Yeah, just go for it. All this stuff that I've said today. You know, if you feel like it doesn't fit you, ignore it and do what you think you're going to do. But I, the one thing I really would recommend is the mind map, because at least okay. it gives you where you're, where you're going, what you're doing in a visual way for yourself so that you can kind of adjust and make and find the, the connections that you're looking for. I want to do my mind map. And I'm also mm-hmm. fantasizing about paint markers that you used in one of your Instagram posts recently. I have been dreaming about them. I have been Googling them. So I feel like I can't do the mind map until you tell me about the paint markers because I want to do it with fun colors. What are those paint markers you were using? Do you remember? You I'm were, thinking. It looked like paint. You were, yeah, it was like a, a week or two ago or two. And you were. it was like you were drawing and it looked like paint as it was coming out of it looked like a marker. And I was just like, oh, is this some sort of film trick or are there really things out there that I could just sit on the couch and watch TV and like paint marker things? Well, it's one of two things. <laughs> it's either Posca markers, P-O-S-C-A, which are acrylic paint in a marker, or I have watercolor pencils. And if this was just in the last couple of weeks, it might've been that. I use the water, they look like colored pencils and I just will scribble them onto what I want. And then I use a pen, a, a brush that holds water and I just go over them and it activates the color. And that might've been what you saw. I love those. Cause that's what I use on the couch all the time. I'll color it in and then use the, the just the wet brush to activate them and bring the color out. Yes, because I feel that where I'm at in my planning is I want to do it with fun materials. Um, (laughs) 
I don't want to sit more out, Yeah, right. I don't want to map out a business in in uh, you know an Excel spreadsheet or a Word document, and I want to get some nice crafty paper, some fun, colorful things, and really blow it out, and then have it up on the wall, like you said, and. Yeah. And make it central because I think, especially when you're a busy person trying to add a side business is you forget that you have it. Sometimes I'm embarrassed to admit you get so caught up in your day-to-day life and some of your other little projects that you think, Oh, right. Okay. I forgot to check in on this milestone and this marker to see if I hit this measure, or I forgot to do this. Oh my gosh. I haven't set things up for the next, you know, round of the next season. So I yeah. think that that's just a brilliant idea to, to do that. And I'm getting so excited. My hands are flailing and I'm slapping my microphone. That's where we're at. <laughs> Thank you for inspiring. Well, I, use, I use a mind map to do my yearly planning. You know, what do I want to do this year? What do I, it, the one thing I would say is don't do it on a computer because, and there are software programs that will let you do it on a computer, but I find, and I'm a computer geek. I get hung up in the program and not in the creativity of it. And also as you and I both know, you engage a different part of your brain when you use your hands, when you when you do it manually. And that's the part of the brain you want to engage is to get into that and really let your brain play. That's what a mind map does. You're just tracking the play. Right. So the playlist then, what are you, you've, I think you've included some invitations to play on our playlist. I'm going to put in the mind map directions and allow people to download that so they can, uh, if they're, they're a little unsure, they'd like to see what one looks like because I've got a little sample of one in there. The other thing, if you're serious about doing this, I would recommend just Googling small business administration for your country. See what they offer, but be aware this is going to be a very formal thing. I'm also looking, I know there's a woman who does business planning for right-brained people, and I got to find a link for that somewhere. And when I do, I'll put it up on the, the playlist so that we can add that as well. It's a little more creative, fun way to do a more formal business plan. But Honestly, if you're just at the first start of this, I would highly recommend you stay away from the formal business plan. You start with the mind map and go from there. And if you're in the middle of a business like Jessica is, do the mind map and just kind of see what comes up because you may really come, some exciting ideas will come out of it. I, I love mind mapping. So exciting. And and so I've included the article from Forbes on five tips for building a successful business as a creative. Then I thought I would include uh, the link to my cousin's Peace Beads uh, business. So everybody can have a look at how she's put together the bracelets in such a creative way and the little descriptions that she uses to describe their meaning and symbolism. I, I just find I'm, I'm very inspired by what she's done there. And I hope that uh, that you get inspired too. So what are we talking about next time, Jessica? Oh, it's going to be fun. We're getting into the world of inspiration. And so what people, places, arts, and things inspire you. So it's kind of a big grab bag free for all of, you know, what, what lights us up. Yep. Oh, I love that. Okay. Lots of fun. All right. We'll see you then. Take care. Hey there, April here at the end of episode 10. And I want to encourage you that before you ever start to plan for a business, that you sit down and spend some serious time considering that question, do you really want your passion to earn a living for you? Or do you want to just keep it as something that is a passion and doesn't have the money piece attached to it? Because once you do, there's a lot of other things that come along with it that you may not be considering right now, such as the administration side and reaching out to customers and marketing and all of those things. However, if you do have a resounding yes, I want my passion to be part of the way I earn my living, then 
I can't encourage you more than to start with the mind map because it's going to give you lots of juicy ideas. You're creative, so have some fun with this and just brainstorm your heart out. You may come up with something you had never thought of before. Have a great time with it and we'll see you at the next episode. You can find more podcast episodes and today's playlist at thehummingbirdpodcast.com. And you can learn more about our creative work at our individual websites. So you can learn more about me, Jessica, at sunshineinajar.com and more about April at aprilyjanes.com, A-P-R-I-L-L-E-J-A-N is in November, E-S.com. If you have any hummingbird questions for us to explore, we invite you to let us know. At thehummingbirdpodcast.com. Hi, this is Jessica, and I wanted to do a little plug for my business, Creativity Coaching Canada. My goal is to bring creative abundance and prosperity into your life. From individual sessions to group classes to guest experts, there's lots of choices to ignite and sustain your creativity. I'd love to help you meet your goals and help you to shine. Go to creativitycoaching.ca, check it out, and hope to see you.